0: This is the Backyard Buddhist Podcast. I'm Ron Powell McLean. Hi there, and welcome back. I am nervous and excited actually today to record this podcast. I have been tripping around it a little bit, obviously because of its subject and you know by its title you know what it's about you know this this month may is mental health awareness month and you know mental health is a is a significant focus in my practice as of late um (laughs) it only took me you know, about 40 years to get to that, but it's interesting to me um, how much shame and vulnerability I feel around this topic. Yet I know that talking about it for me has been a, a double-edged, I will, I will say a double-edged sword in that I know it's very helpful for me to kind of come out of the closet with this yet again. <laughs> um, but it also brings up a lot of those feelings of, of shame and, and vulnerability. So I just want to talk a little bit about um, my journey with with mental health and understanding the tools that I have found so helpful. <clears throat> and you know, take what you like and leave the rest. I don't uh, I don't think I have any uh, serious triggers <laughs> to warn you about in this podcast, but I, you know, as many of you know, I started my journey with meditation. Um, with the, just the health issue that I was having or that I have around migraines. So I've, I've really experienced migraines just as long as I can remember my, my mother uh, reports that I had, you know, these headaches starting at about age two. Um, And they have been devastating um uh, from the standpoint that i when they when the onset comes on i mean it just it really just triggers um so much discomfort that i would be you know inoperable really like i you know i had to go in a, a dark room and maybe have a fan on and i remember being a kid and we didn't always have air conditioning And, um, the heat sometimes can be a trigger, probably dehydration and all sorts of things that I, you know, didn't know about as a kid and, or, you know, maybe too much sugar or whatever it might be. And I would find myself isolated from my siblings or my friends and my family and just trying to get through it, you know, the the cool washcloth on the head that never stayed cool would warm up so quickly. And the best I could hope for would be to fall asleep. And if I could just sleep through it, then I would be on the other end of it before I, before I knew, but other times I struggled and suffered with that. And I think around age 13, I had, I started having some vision issues around um when the headaches started to to come on that there would be a pressure and almost like you know when you when you gently push on the side of your eye how it distorts your uh, your vision i was having that um so it felt like pressure and felt like something was going on so my you know my parents took me to doctors and I ended up in the hospital with them, you know, doing CAT scans and uh, I had a spinal tap and all sorts of things, them looking for, you know, maybe this was a reaction to allergy shots or something. And I don't think they really ever found, you know, uh, a cause, but I was also introduced to a doctor who was, I think, a psychiatrist uh, who introduced me to guided meditation. He, he called it self-hypnosis, but he recorded this. So it wasn't really self. It was a guided meditation on a cassette tape that I listened to. Um, when I would start to feel the headaches come on, I would go and, you know, isolate myself into a space and listen on a little cassette player that I would, you know, put next to me on the bed and try to just listen to the words. And he had a very calming voice, which I liked. And again, sometimes, you know, the the outcome would be that I would fall asleep and be on the other end of it, the other side of it. So I would say it didn't really cure the migraines. It didn't help me in that standpoint. It, it helped me in a way to get through it and have a, some sort of treatment that I could use because Tylenol or whatever really didn't um, really didn't affect it. You know, any medications weren't really helping. They still don't, but I think when I was about six, no, I was later than that, uh, 17 or 18 years old, I remember, um, I found myself very depressed and finding myself in this pattern of staying up very late at night and then sleeping during the day. And I knew something was wrong. I remember my mom came in and sat on the edge of my bed and um, she just said what's wrong and I, I said I think I'm depressed I don't feel great and so again I went to the doctor and I think it's the first time I remember going to the doctor on my own and he was great he um he actually turned me to the book um feeling good which is kind of a quintessential I guess book on depression anxiety but I'm gonna just tell you that I didn't read it <laughs> I told him I read it I think I tried to read a little bit of it but I was really in no place to sort of explore this solution in reading, I I think I remember it being summertime and I remember just getting outside and walking and sort of coming back um, to something a little more normal, a little more balance and you know, focusing on just feeling better, I guess. I think a lot of my um, my depression, I pointed toward things like my weight. Um, I've always had sort of a fluctuating weight, I guess. Um, although if I if I go back to square one and look at the first time I felt like I was fat, um, I would I would take that weight any day now. So. So anyway, I was diagnosed with depression at about 18, I guess, and put on some medication that you know, I certainly had side effects from that I didn't enjoy. And I ended up going off of them. And I just put it away. I didn't really want to go back there. I didn't want the meds again because they gave me this terrible pasty dry mouth and I couldn't carry on a conversation, which gave me anxiety and Of course, I didn't know what that was at the time. But anyway. And then in the last few years, um, diagnosed with anxiety. And sometimes severe. I thought that the panic attacks that I have been experiencing for almost as long as I can remember also was asthma. Because my my panic attacks sort of manifest in a way that is uh, choking and gagging and I can't breathe. So I assumed that it was uh, pulmonary. <laughs> related. I just didn't know what I didn't know, but I'm seeing this correlation in my life and I'm at a space now where I am through my meditation practice curiously exploring the elements of the things within my experience that i feel displeasure from that i feel suffering around so this has been the you know kind of an awakening for me where i've focused on what is it that that brings on this feeling of anxiety, this feeling of overwhelmed sometimes, um, this feeling of weight upon me that um, I don't know that I can ever really put my finger on an origin. So I can't say, oh, it's just because I'm busy at work or because the laundry piled up or because, because, because. It's just really a feeling that arises and it freezes me i feel like i can't do anything so i work now with breath i start with breath taking a deep breath and just centering and and even dialoguing with myself and saying okay this is anxiety this is anxiety and this is what it feels like and we'll get through it like we always have but this is anxiety and hold it honor it I think for me as I've come out to my husband and my family and I keep saying the word anxiety and and mental health and mental well-being in conversations. And I feel the tension as soon as I say those words. And I feel that shame around those words as as if there's something wrong with me that is so unspeakable and it shouldn't be that way. The vulnerability that I feel when I say, you know, I struggle with anxiety sometimes. Sometimes I don't and sometimes it's under control and sometimes it's not. The interesting correlation that I have found, I I lost a lot of weight last year, 60 pounds, um, and felt really great. Um, and I've put about 20 back on. And there's a lot of shame uh, because, you know, of course I got all the accolades of how great you look. And my goodness, you you look so much healthier. And now... I don't get that and I'm feeling the shame of, oh, he gained it back or it's gaining, it's coming back. It's not under control. There's no, you know, there's no real fix for the fatty. <laughs> but I realize now that there is a correlation of the times in my life that I have been uh, able to lose weight and feel good and be um, be even a little more physical and feeling happier and more balanced and even more productive in my life, that has been when I was mentally supported. That my mental health. And my mental well-being were supported. So it's it's an endeavor for me right now to go back and, and look at the elements of those, the qualities of my life that are present when I am in that successful space. And I could be completely off the mark, but I feel like if I mindfully can cultivate those pieces of my experience, and I'm talking about resting, I'm talking about having a good night's sleep as the basis of feeling good, making sure that I indulgently offer up to myself and my well-being sleep going to bed on time and not scrolling tick tock even though it's really entertaining sometimes That I put that down and just honor my pillow and honor my well-being knowing that I have a day to get up the next day and work and I will have times that I feel overwhelmed or I feel like there's a lot on my plate, which there is, that I feel more equipped to handle it. And I can make better decisions. My meditation is easier when I'm well-rested. I feel like I make better nutritional choices. I don't, turn towards caffeine or sugar, or um, just eating to mitigate my feelings of anxiety. So in in my practice, meditation is more than sitting on a cushion with my eyes closed and my, you know, sitting in a pretzel position on the floor. Meditation to me is awakened awareness. It's this practice of mindfully moving through my experience. So that means things that I'm doing with my eyes open, my work, my exercise, the way I interact with other beings, my dogs and my husband and my, co- my colleagues at work and you know, people at the grocery store or whatever, mindfully moving through that being kind, being, you know, sweet when I can and mindfully moving through this. So as we talk about Mental Health Awareness Month and finding our own personal stability, I just encourage you to take a really, really compassionate look at your environment, the the patterns that you have, the the attachments that you have. We all have attachments. All you have to do is turn to the feelings of like and dislike, and you'll find your attachments. Even the things that you think you dislike, that's an attachment, your attachment to liking and feeling good. So be awake and aware for those things and understand, ah, that's me being reactive to something that I'm averse to or... That's me being reactive to something that I love and I don't want to lose or that I want more and more of. (sighs) So keep it together. Love yourself. Be compassionate and kind with yourself. And enjoy this moment. This is the moment where everything happens. This is the moment where you get to change a different outcome just by your sheer presence.